Hi, listeners. This is Understand South Carolina, a weekly news podcast by the Post and Courier. Today, we're going back to school. I'm Emily Williams. I'm Gavin McIntyre. Today, we're talking with reporter Jenna Schifferl, who writes about education here in Charleston. For a lot of South Carolina, last Tuesday, that's September 8th, was the first day of school. It was experienced in a lot of different ways, though. Some students were going back into the classroom for the first time in about six months, only this time they were wearing a mask and spaced six feet apart from their classmates. Others are still learning from their computers at home. So, Jenna, just to start out, can you give us an idea, like I said, Last Tuesday was the first day back to school for a lot of the state. Just how many districts? You know, what was that? What was that day like for South Carolina K through K through twelve schools? Yeah, it was a pretty hectic day um, on September eighth for a lot of students. Um, in all, thirty two districts started the year uh, that Tuesday after Labor Day. Um, some had started actually before that um but this was the last sort of wave um of school reopenings so thousands of students across the state um were either tuning in virtually uh, to their classes from behind their computer screens or uh you know coming in to the classroom uh in person um yeah it was it it was certainly very busy and it was certainly a, a first day of school unlike uh any other that we've seen so far. What were some of the first issues that came up that that day? So we'll get more specific to different uh, districts and more specifically Charleston later, but just statewide, well, you know, what were some of those first things that popped up that day? Yeah, I think um, technology is uh, probably a main one. I think that's kind of to be expected when you have thousands and thousands of students signing on, um, you know, to either live stream classes or to just access uh, course materials, you know, independently. Either way, I think it's just hard. It's a lot to expect of a kid, especially younger kids, to remember, you know, their passwords or know how to reset it. And, um, you know, or some, you know, for a lot of students don't have access to the internet and state, you know, leaders tried to address that by distributing a lot of these little portable devices out to students um, that provide them with, you know, internet access at their house. But I know there were some hiccups, some challenges with those as well. So technology, I think certainly would be uh, probably the biggest takeaway, um, along with just some general confusion about what's expected with uh, scheduling, with registration, um, those sorts of things, which are normal back-to-school problems, but it was certainly compounded uh, this year. And I think that happened in Charleston County, but also we saw that statewide. Jenna, you were uh, obviously one of the reporters, you know, out on the first day talking to parents, students, and teachers. Um, how did that go? It went, it went really well, um, you know. It was hectic, but that's to be expected. Um, I started my morning out downtown at Simmons Pinckney Middle Middle School, yeah, on the peninsula. Um, And it it was pretty quiet. Um, You know, there was a handful of students sort of milling about and entering, you know, the classroom for uh, to start their day. Um, But there was 
at least two families who um, definitely experienced some significant problems. There was some confusion over uh, whether they were registered in person or registered online. Like one family got kind of turned away at the door and said, no, you're, you're learning remotely. You need to go sign on to your Chromebook by 830. And that, that was a surprise to them. She, the student was really looking forward to, to starting in person. Um, another student was there by himself. His mom was on the phone um, and she was confused because he also showed up for in person um, and he had he, he brought his Chromebook, but he was having troubles logging on. And um, and and she but she was like, I want to send him in person. I didn't even realize that was a choice. Like they just told us that we were going to be doing online work. But and so there was definitely some confusion on that front. Um, but overall, I mean, it was, it was pretty quiet. I will note that um, those students, in theory, should be able to join the classroom in person if they wanted it um, under the board's kind of, or the district's decision last night. Um, in theory, they're going to be able to join uh, back in person on the 21st if they still want that, um, especially, you know, if they're, they're not going to exceed the safe, what the district is calling the safe enrollment capacity, which is like the number of students a, a school building can host given uh, social distancing and given like plexiglass dividers. And what were kind of the scenes in the classroom? Like, how would you describe kind of the teachers' interactions with their students on the first day? I mean, surprisingly normal. Uh, I think the teachers were really excited to see the kids. That's what I've heard again and again, is that the teachers were really excited. The students were really excited. Um, so a lot of the same sort of first day, nervous, excited energy um, that I saw with the teachers and the students. Um, some of them were, you know, providing instruction to two groups of students at once. So uh, one group in the, in the classroom, another group tuning in via zoom you know online um you know i saw other teachers kind of setting up showing their kids how to do normal first day stuff like setting up course reminders on their phones and that sort of thing um inside the, the physical classrooms were different though in that as we've talked about before there were plexiglass uh, or plastic clear plastic sort of dividers in between uh, students desks on two sides sort of um that's acting as like a sneeze guard um in, in a way um a lot of the uh a lot of the classroom furniture um had to be removed from the back of the room and from like the sides in order to kind of maximize the number of desks um that could fit that's that i saw that in some classrooms um and yeah overall um some some noticeable changes the energy i think was was still the same as it was in other years maybe a little bit more nervous energy but um definitely looked different though and gavin i know you were actually also out too you were taking photos that day where did you go and and what did you see i think you were seeing some some of that walk to school arrival time and then also in the classroom um so yeah where were you and and what did you see that day yeah, so I started the morning at uh, James Simmons um, uh, in downtown Charleston and, you know, capturing, you know, parents taking their kids to school. And it seemed, you know, like any other kind of 
you know, first day of school, you know, walking, you know, their sons and daughters, you know, holding their hand, you know, hugging them goodbye and stuff like that. I think the big contrast with, uh, I feel like any other normal day is the mask. I feel like that, you know, that's, you know, the obvious sign that, you know, this year is going to be different was, you know, seeing, you know, everyone wearing masks and, you know, some of the procedures that were uh, kind of being taken uh, by, you know, staff to like let them into like the schools. So that was one uh, big change I saw. And then after James Simmons, I went to Joseph Pye Elementary in Ladston, where I did get to uh, go inside uh, a kindergarten class and see kind of the virtual, you know, learning. And it was so interesting because I was thinking back to when I was in kindergarten and just, you know, trying to learn through, you know, a computer screen. It seemed like such a weird, you know, thing to see. But, you know, kind of uh, what Jenna was saying, like the the teachers were all like really excited to be able to, you know, be back in their classroom and, you know, see like, you know, their students again. Um, I think, you know, obviously the big kind of issue is still kind of like the technology technology kind of side of things and trying to work with you know these programs you know make sure you know being able to see all the students you know that way you know they can focus especially with kindergarten because it's such a you know very hands-on kind of uh you know class environment so that was uh you know really interesting to see on the first day Jenna, what did that first day of school look like in Charleston County numbers-wise? You know, how many of the students in the district were actually in the classrooms that day versus, you know, at home on the laptop? Sure. So it was about 12,000, the district estimates-ish, which is about a quarter or 25% of the student enrollment district-wide actually did come into the classroom in person. And the way Charleston County's uh, system works is uh, those students are, are able to come in five days a week. So we know that they're in, other, in other districts, um, they're sort of using a hybrid or alternating schedule. That's what they're doing in Greenville. Um, uh, but that's not the case in Charleston County. But in order to do that, they, they sort of capped uh, the number of students they were going to be able to welcome in person on the first day to around 25% district-wide, at least until we started seeing uh, COVID numbers, you know, in the area improve. Um, So about 35,000-ish tuned in virtually. Um, And that is either via the district's temporary remote option, which is a group of students who are, for the most part, receiving that live stream instruction um, from their teacher in real time along with some independent work, of course. Um, but their their goal is to eventually return to the classroom in person just once they feel like it's safe to do so and once the virus uh, activity slows a little bit more. Then there's some students who are learning uh, via the virtual academy, which is sort of um, a more independent program for students who are better online learners uh, who can do it more independently and just have periodic check-ins with the teacher. And that program is meant for students who um, know that they don't want to be in the classroom for an extended period of time. They know either for the year or for the semester that no matter what happens, we're just not ready to come back. And that could be for a myriad of reasons. Um, but, and there was, 
there were some interesting changes that happened with with the uh, virtual academy that happened not too long before school started. But um, but yeah, so a large chunk, the majority um, actually did start online for the first day of school. And you wrote last week about, you know, uh, teachers, you know, starting to quit and, you know, facing burnout from, you know, this new school year, I guess, what are some of the main challenges they're facing and what are they being asked to do? Yeah, so I've talked to a lot of teachers over the past um, week or so just to kind of hear their thoughts about back to school. Um, And from the ones I've talked to, they are just more exhausted, more tired, you know, than than they've been in a really long time. And that's saying a lot because teachers are notoriously always, you know, overworked, tired, and exhausted during a regular school year or, you know, during that regular back-to-school season. So, yeah, I mean, some of them are are saying that burnout is a very real issue. Um, They're worried about the consequences of this long-term. Some of them say this sort of energy that it requires to teach students in person and virtually uh, is just an extreme amount of energy and and coordination and focus um, and work um, in order to keep both of these parties sort of engaged at the same time. Um, It's really, really, really challenging. And that was something uh, that the Accelerate Ed Committee, which is out of the South Carolina Department of Education. It was a task force that came up with a group of recommendations for schools as they planned reopening. They explicitly said, you know, try to avoid situations that would require teachers to do this, uh, to teach in person and online simultaneously. But what we've seen is that despite these recommendations, um, it's a pretty frequent occurrence across, uh, across the state. And that is a main reason that I think is is contributing to this sort of burnout. Um, another, I mean, major issue I think for some is just health. A lot of them, there was a huge movement this summer that was hashtag virtual until safe. There's a lot of teachers who were um, just really concerned that the virus level hadn't slowed enough and that by putting themselves in the classroom, they could become, you know, uh, an involuntary sort of spreader to them themselves, their families, you know, their communities. Um, th- and I think a lot of that is because for, for the most part, teachers who are teaching virtually, even if they're teaching students online, um, they're not able to do so f- from their house. They are required to come, uh, you know, in person. I think you saw that um, Gavin in, in DD too, you know, it's like the hallways are empty, but teachers are inside. Um, I think those were some of the main things, um, that I heard, but yeah, some, some teachers have quit. Um, some teachers are leaving the profess the profession. Um, and I think it, there's just a real concern that more will follow. Um, you know, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Yeah. That's my first thought hearing this is we are very much at the beginning of the school year, you know, and, um, there is so much left to go and, you know, so many more steps to get to a point of, you know, maybe having all students in person. There's just a lot of 
decisions and probably changes that still have to be made. And that's it's definitely a lot for those teachers to go through all while trying to support their students. And, you know, I have a parent who's a teacher, not here, but in another state. And um, it really is, you know, of course, this is a lot on parents. It's a lot on students. But for teachers, you know, school is their their career and their so much of their life. You know, so this is um, this has really uh, changed a lot of things um, for them, and, and I know it can be discouraging. Um, where were we in South Carolina in terms of uh, teachers or a teacher shortage before this? Um, and and I guess are are there thoughts about the longer term implications? You know, of of this year, maybe even if. A, a teacher sticks it out through the rest of the year, you know, if they'll um, stay in the profession longer, you know, this is definitely going to be a tough time for that. Yeah, so, um, inter- yeah, there is an ongoing teacher shortage here in South Carolina. This is a this is a problem that's existed, you know, before the pandemic, but uh, experts fear that it's possible that as we see more teachers leave the classroom this year because of the added stress of, of COVID and, and going back to school, that it, it's going to make it worse. So we know that last school year, um, more than 6,000 teachers in South Carolina uh, left the profession. Um, and I believe we started last school year with a couple hundred, at least, teacher you know vacancies. Um, and so it's kind of like this, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a hard cycle um, because, you know, no matter how many leave, there's going to be some who do stick it out um, and who do stay in the profession. And, and um, it makes, <laughs> in some ways, it's, it's even harder for them, though, you know, because they're just going to, um, they're going to continue to do what they love and, you know, and, and stick it out for the students. Um, but with with fewer teachers there, it, it, it inadvertently kind of sometimes puts more burdens on the teachers who do um, stick it out. One teacher told me, um, she said, it's kind of like teachers have always done, which is we're asked for more, um, but provided with less and we still do it anyways. We just kind of grit our teeth and do it. So um, that could even further, you know, impact this, this sort of cycle and, and the burnout that a lot of teachers are reporting. And we actually spoke with a teacher this week. Um, so let's go to a little bit of that um, discussion with her. My name is Leanna Rossi Potter, and I am a teacher in Charleston County School District. I am also a the president of the Charleston County Education Association. I am starting my 21st year, or have started my 21st year teaching. I've been teaching in Charleston County for... Uh, 15 years. Um, I personally teach high school. I teach 11th grade U.S. history, and I am I am one of the teachers that have chosen to teach temporary remote um, to my students. So every day I log into Zoom um, with my classes and teach. Um, it's a new way of teaching, even though we were doing it in the spring. 
is definitely more structured now since we really weren't sure what was going to happen back in March. So my students log into the Zoom call. Um, I greet them. We talk. Uh, we discuss the lesson for the day and then um, they work on an assignment. Other colleagues are doing both in person and um, online teaching, which has caused a lot of stress and a new learning curve for many teachers. Obviously, no, none of the teachers I know have ever taught online and in person at the same time. Um, basically, students in the high school setting at my high school are coming to the school building but are just sitting there and learning through the computer as well, even though they may be in the classroom with the teacher because there are 20 or 25 students that are not in the building. So one way to make it easier for the teacher is for everyone to be learning through the computer. We weren't as teachers trained in how that would work because we were told numerous times that we would never be teaching in person and remotely at the same time. Therefore, we were never trained on how the best way uh, to do that. Therefore, to lessen our stress, many teachers have decided to just do it one way, even though there's students um, in their classroom. The workload has significantly increased in developing our lessons on a new learning management system called Canvas and CCSD. So practicing that and learning that on a daily basis, along with trying to integrate our lessons into that technology a way of presenting it to the students has taken on more time. And now you have, of course, still grading. So the time that teachers have always put into their profession has been very high. I would say average probably at least 10 hours a day, uh, including hours on the weekends has increased even more so. So the stress is very high. And what comes with that is also the concern that some teachers have with their safety and their health. As someone who's teaching remotely right now, how do you personally feel about going back into the classroom and just all of these um, changes and decisions that you know are going to be coming in the coming weeks? Thankfully, I do not have a health issue, but I don't know if we know enough about the virus. If I did contract it, if what would personally happen to me? I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't fit in the category of high risk, but I just don't think we have enough scientific information um, to know how it will personally affect me. Everyone's different. Uh, I'm concerned for my children. I do have two older parents, uh, one particularly that um, has health issues that I help um, frequently. I actually moved my father down because of his health issues last November, so I'm concerned about that. I don't know about the safety in my classroom. I'm concerned with me having to sanitize the desks every time a new set of students comes in. I am concerned with 
the cleanliness of my classroom after I leave at night? Is it truly going to be sanitized? I'm not sure about social distancing when we bring more and more students into one of the largest high schools um, in South Carolina and, and how socially distanced they will be and where they go on the outside of school and what they would bring in. Um, so I'm really not sure. I, I have thought about uh, resigning. I have. Uh, I'm not. I don't have the confidence yet in the district and making sure that my my health and safety is a priority as it should be because they are my employer, but I just don't have that confidence at this time. Has that ever happened in your career as a teacher before? And if not, I guess, what are some of your thoughts about how this might affect the teacher workforce statewide? You know, I know we already don't have enough teachers. We already need more. I would say everyone in their career thinks about quitting at some point. You know, they just have a bad day or something. But I have never seriously contemplated resigning as much as I am and have been right now. And that just, you know, the virus itself, the workload, and I would say I probably need to stay off of social media uh, because of the respect that some community members are giving towards teachers also is part of that. And I would say, you know, I am further along in my career. So my personal situation uh, financially could allow it more so than say if it was 10 years ago in my career. Not that I'm making the money, but my husband <laughs> So I can tell you that there have been resignations and there will be in the next two weeks. Um, there will be teachers that resign, that understand either their safety and their health of themselves and their families comes first before anything else. And teachers should know that even if they're a fourth year teacher or 10th year teacher, I, I, I'm not going to push that they should resign. We need teachers because we don't have enough. But teachers are very smart. They have the intellect. They have the resourcefulness. They have the ability to uh, be hired by anyone in the private sector. But I think we, I've always, you know, teachers say this all the time, well, what would I do? Who would hire me? Um, I think they'd be surprised um, of the opportunities that they would have outside of education. I also just wanted to ask, what do you love about teaching? And what's, what's something that you love about teaching that you still get in that, in that virtual format that you're still experiencing that way? It's definitely the students. I knew that, you know, the first day of school this year was, oh, it was very strange. I always have nerves and anxiety the first day of school, no matter what. But this year it was different. I didn't know what to expect. I was trying to tell myself that once I, I met the kids, saw them, everything else would just go away. And that's what 
is exciting about teaching is the students. If it wasn't for them, they're, they're, they bring so much to the table each and every day, and it's always different. Uh, just learning about them, learning how they learn, what they think, and seeing them grow and their understanding is what's the most amazing thing about being a teacher. A 28-year-old third grade teacher in Columbia uh, passed away from COVID-19 just this month. Um, she was diagnosed uh, September 4th, and then she passed away that following Monday. So a lot of teachers were entering this school year uh, mourning that loss and also, I'm sure, uh, fearful of this pandemic. Um, you know, and really seeing that that impact within their community. So, I I wanted to make sure that we that we mentioned that. Um, and of course, that health concern is is definitely one of those that's that's top of mind for teachers or or concerns about their family members. Jenna, we of course appreciate your reporting, and I know you were at the school board meeting last night. We're recording this on um, on Tuesday morning, and I know those those go late, and there are probably a lot of school board meetings ahead. But um, I know we all appreciate the the reporting. Um, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you if they um, want to share a story idea or maybe they're a teacher or parent and they want to share their experience. I know that's always helpful. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, my email is J and then my last name is Schifferl, S-C-H-I-F-E-R-L at postingcourier.com or you could follow me on Twitter, message me there at Jenna Schiff, S-C-H-I-F. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. And if listeners have any comments, questions, or suggestions for this podcast, you can find us on Twitter at understand SC. Thanks for listening. <laughs>